Hey everyone, this is Tyler Hoosier, Grassroot Lawn Service, and you're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success now here's your host julio tomei welcome lawn care nation to another episode of the lawn care business success podcast i'm your host julio tomei and this is episode number 108 entitled things will change so be flexible well hello everybody and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the lawn care business success podcast i really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week and downloading those episodes and also for sending in your questions your comments your feedback and for leaving those uh, ever important itunes reviews. I really do appreciate it. I'd also like to uh, give a special shout out or thanks to Tyler Hoosier from the Grass Guru Lawn Service for opening this week's show. If you guys would like to uh, follow in Tyler's footsteps and uh, open the podcast, uh, a podcast episode um, by introducing yourself and your company name, maybe uh, saying your YouTube channel, or your Instagram account handle, um, you can do so by going to my website at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com. And on the right-hand side, you'll see the little gray send voicemail tab. And you can click on that and use your computer's audio uh, or your phone. Um, you can download the SpeakPipe app and uh, it'll let you use your phone to record a voicemail message for me that I can use on the show to open up a uh, episode. So if you guys would like to do that, head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com. And use that gray leave voicemail tab. Well, this week's episode, I wanted to talk about the fact that when you're in business, things will change uh, and you have to stay flexible. You have to constantly be willing to explore uh, new ideas and explore new ways of doing uh, what you may have been doing, um, you know, the same way and the same method for years. And, you know, it may have worked for you in the past, but you may find yourself now in a situation where, you know, you're not getting those results or you're coming up on to say an obstacle or a situation uh that you never had to encounter uh, by doing that. Um, now, what I'm thinking about, you know, this episode, and I was thinking about sort of an analogy for this episode, um, you know, I came up with thinking that a business is kind of like a river, an ever-changing river. And, you know, with a river, there's peak times and there's low times. There's times where that river swells, where you may be um, so full of work um, that you can hardly keep up with it. There'll be other times when that river dries up uh, and, uh, you know, the work slows down and you may have to figure out other sources of income. There's also times where 
obstacles will get in your way. If you think about a river, you know, you'll see, um, you know, times uh, walking along a river where uh, trees that line the river, there may be a storm or something and a, and a large tree falls across the river and the river doesn't now all of a sudden stop. Uh, the water doesn't stop flowing because of that tree. It goes around the tree. It adapts. It's constantly changing. Uh, you'll see uh, where there might be, uh, you know, dams built or, um, you know, other obstacles in that river and the river just finds a new way. It goes around it. It cuts a new path for itself uh, to go around it. And you, you really have to sort of adopt that mentality when running your own business, things are always going to change. There will be uh, times where you have that constant flow of work. And for whatever reason, uh, you may find yourself in a situation where the work drops off. I've told the story about how last summer, this sort of happened to me where I had a, a large uh, drop in uh, clients where a whole bunch of clients um, all ended their service over a two-month period uh, during the summer months. And uh, that this was due to the fact of uh, real estate prices. And I'm sure I've, I've told you guys this a million times. I'm sure you guys are uh, probably tired of hearing about it uh, and about how the property prices have crazily skyrocketed and people were just, um, you know, being faced with a choice, you know, clients that were um, thinking of downsizing, you know, older clients and things like that, or clients who have maybe were thinking of or playing around with the idea of leaving town and maybe uh, living in a different part of the country or a different part of the world. And they were suddenly presented with this opportunity um, where because of the just insane property prices and how fast they had skyrocketed over just a couple of years that they could now cash out and uh, basically, um, you know, uh, make out uh, almost like a bandit with a huge investment, um, you know, or return on investment, I should say. Uh, so I found myself in this situation where I would, you know, week after week after week, would have clients telling me that um, they were putting their house for sale or were selling their house and they were moving out of town. And this was the only scenario that worked. It wasn't so much a problem with a client, say, the, you know, the average client that you may have that would sell their home and just decide to move to a different neighborhood because they would inevitably ask me, you know, uh, if I could mow in that neighborhood, if I could look after their property in that neighborhood because they were happy with the service. But in this case, the only scenario that worked was if you were actually leaving town because it was the absolute insane property prices were pretty much just... Um, basically in the actual core of the city and just outside in the suburbs surrounding uh, the city of Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, so if you moved across to a different part of now like of Canada with the caveat of, you know, there were some other cities uh, like the larger cities in Canada that were also um, starting to experience these high uh, prices as well. Um, but um you know, if you were moving to, say, the middle of the country, um, you could 
buy a home for dramatically less than you would be paying here. And in most cases have a larger property, uh, maybe a newer house and all that. Um, but you'd be giving up the, uh, West Coast lifestyle, which is what I think attracted, um, you know, people to this area. Um, you know, on the license plates here, it says beautiful British Columbia, and that's not a lie. There's absolutely something for everyone here. We have, uh, you know, fantastic winter sports and skiing, um, you know, we have mountains, world famous ski mountains like Whistler and Blackcomb, where you could be literally skiing, uh, you know, in the morning and then take a few hour drive and be at the beach, um, you know, in the afternoon sort of thing. There's, you know, diverse wildlife and rainforests and you know, fantastic for mountain biking. Like say there's the ocean, tons and tons of lakes. Uh, if you're into outdoor stuff, outdoor sports, uh, wilderness, all that sort of stuff, the, uh, opportunities abound here. Uh, there's just so much to do. And I think that's what attracts. And also the weather here is not, you know, nowhere near what you would typically think of when you think of Canada. Most people think of winter and cold and lots of snow and stuff like that. And although we did get hammered this year with snow or this past winter with snow, it's not the norm. We will usually go six, seven years with, uh, you know, very light snow, maybe one day or two days or three days. You know, here, it's just sporadic snow here or there that melts on its own very quickly, uh, where this year we did have a lot of snow. Um, so, you know, all that put together, these customers were faced with that opportunity to sell. And like I say, more and more who were retiring and all that took advantage of that. So I found myself in that situation where, you know, over a course of two months, I, you know, had lost a whole bunch of clients and uh, wasn't expecting that. So there's times that you will face those types of uh, diversities in your business and you have to uh, learn to adapt and you have to uh, be willing to change your ways in order to survive, in order to uh, keep your business afloat, keep your business growing and explore other options. You know, if there's uh, so many, like for an, ex an a quick example here, say you are strictly uh, doing lawn mowing. And I know a lot of guys just do lawn mowing. And, you know, in my own area, I know of guys that do lawn mowing. In fact, there are, uh, you know, a few companies that strictly do lawn mowing only where I actually take care of their clients for everything else. So there's one uh, person in particular that uh, just mows lawns. Uh, and when it comes to things like aerations, uh, fertilizers, power raking, um, hedge trimming, uh, garden cleanups, things like that, that person doesn't do them, just doesn't want to get into any of that, just wants to mow lawns. And I can absolutely understand that because even for myself, mowing lawns, is my favorite thing of all of the services uh, that I offer. Um, but it would also limit my income dramatically uh, if that was all that I offered. 
So this other person, like I say, he only offers those things. And the opportunities there where I go and I service his clients and I do those other things. Now, he's not worried about me, um, you know, uh, trying to solicit those customers for the lawn mowing. I, I wouldn't do that. But if at any time that customer is not happy with that person's service or things change, guess who more than likely will be the one that picks up that work? It would be me because I'm already servicing those customers with everything else. They are just happy with using their uh, lawn care guy for the lawn care and they're loyal to that lawn care guy uh, for the mowing um, and only... Um, you know, we're seeking somebody else to service those other aspects because when the need arised, uh, that service provider did not offer those services. So they had to look elsewhere for that other stuff. So I stepped in and I take care of that uh, portion of it. Um, so you have to be flexible. Now, you know, I would like to say, well, no, I don't want to do um, these clients because they're having their lawns mowed by somebody else, uh, and that sort of thing. And that would also be limiting me in sort of, uh, being, um, almost an arrogant mindset. When I first started out, I used to, uh, think about this too. And I used to say that, you know, I'm not going to fertilize a client, or take on a client if they've got uh, some other company putting the fertilizers down and stuff like that. And part of this was because, you know, I would find that these companies are obviously making, uh, you know, the high profit, low labor uh, sort of things. You see these companies like the large uh, companies that only put chemicals and applications down. Um, and, you know, there's the large chains that do this. Uh, and I would say, well, I'm not going to, you know, I hate customers that have these guys because, you know, these guys are coming in for five minutes. They're making a high profit on the small amount of labor that it takes. And then I'm the one that ends up having to cut, you know, eight to 10 inches of lawn every week. Uh, so my labor now is increasing and my, uh, you know, um, cut rate is not uh, increasing. Um, so I'm not really getting anything of added bonus for this. And I used to say that, you know, I'm not going to cut anybody who has or is under contract with what, with these companies. And that would be severely limiting, um, my income. What I found was if I adapted, if I changed and said, okay, you know what? I could understand that these customers are sort of in a bind because, you know, in most cases, these large establishments that, uh, you know, just do fertilization. Uh, for example, they, um, you know, do a lot of cold calling, a lot of door knocking. They're very much high volume and they, um, get their customers to, in most cases, prepay for the year's service. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. For one, they get them to prepay by offering a discount. Um, and this gets the customer to, you know, seriously think about obviously prepaying for the whole year to save some money. Um, but I think part of the, the reason they do this is because I've noticed a trend where once signed up with these companies, 
I've seen a lot, not, not in all cases, but I've seen a lot of cases where the customers start to complain about the service or the times of year that these are servicing. I experienced one, and I think I've told this story before, where with one of these companies, you know, they're putting a liquid moss control down. Moss control turns moss black as it kills it. The problem was, is that they didn't do it at the specified or the right time of season. Typically, this is done in early spring. They had waited till the summer to put the moss control down. And the problem with this was that this customer was having a wedding in the family. Now, the wedding wasn't being, um, wasn't happening in the backyard, but a barbecue, uh, the week before with all of the out of town guests, uh, was happening in that uh, week before. And what happened was a few days before that, this company showed up unannounced and put weed or moss control down. And all the moss turned black. So now their nice landscaped garden stuff was sort of tarnished looking with these big black spots all throughout the lawn. Uh, so you can imagine what the customer had felt at that uh, point in time. And my only rationale uh, to thinking of why this company would do something like that was that they don't offer mowing. They only offer the fertilizing and the chemical applications. And you know, there's only certain times of year that you're typically going to be doing certain applications. The problem is, is if you have thousands of customers like these high volume companies do, you know, you can't fit everybody in, in that early spring. And these are the only services you offer. So you don't have that mowing in between to carry you through. So these customers, some customers are inevitably going to be serviced at the wrong times of year because that's just the way it works with these uh, companies. And that's the only, you know, thing I could think of as to why this company would spray the moss control in the summer after it was way past the time that it needed to be done. Where typically, uh, you know, and I would explain to the customer, well, typically where, you know, I'm in the spring, I'm starting off, I'm doing these applications for everybody. Then I mow for a couple months. Then I do the next application. Then I mow for a couple months. So there's that varied services that carries my business through that flexibility and lets me adapt and, you know, keep my business afloat while keeping those customers. Now, like I said, I used to say that I wouldn't service those customers, but, but what I found was is that you know, knowing that that customer is in a bind, that they had already prepaid for that service. I knew that I could then uh, go in and quote that customer for the lawn mowing and then just add a sort of a caveat to say that next year, though, I understand that you've prepaid for these services. Next year, though, it's required that I take care of the whole lawn because it doesn't make much sense to have another company that doesn't know the state of your lawn just come in and put chemicals and things down when I'm here on a weekly basis and I know exactly what your lawn needs, when it needs it, and I can custom tailor. And I found that by being flexible and allowing and taking on work from a customer who also uh, may be in a contract with somebody else for those other services that they would then the next year, 10 times out of 10 times, 
drop that other company and transition to having me fully service their entire lawn. And this uh, obviously uh, increased the volume of work uh, that I received. Uh, so I'm just going to break for the podcast announcements and then we'll get right back into it right after this. So stay tuned. Hey guys, if you have any questions or comments about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash contact. And while you're there, why not join my mailing list and get access to a free PDF document of a landscape maintenance contract you can feel free to copy and use in your own business. For you Instagram users out there, be sure to follow me at Lawn Care Business Success. And if you haven't checked out my videos yet, well, what are you waiting for? Be sure to subscribe to the Lawn Care Business Success YouTube channel. Now, I know you guys love listening to audio while you work as much as I do. So I've partnered up with Audible to offer you guys a free 30-day trial and one free audiobook of your choice. There's no long-term commitments and you can cancel any time. And get this, even if you cancel during the trial period, you get to keep your free audiobook. It's a great way to try the service and see if Audible is right for you. So why not give it a try? Head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash audible. Now back to the show. Okay, so throughout the 12 seasons, 12 years that I've been in business mowing lawns, this is my 12th season. As you guys can imagine, there's been many instances of this sort of thing happening of, uh, you know, coming across uh, times or situations where I've needed to adapt uh, my business to change and flow like that river that I mentioned. And most recently, if you guys follow me on Instagram, uh, over the past few weeks, I've posted uh, a couple of pictures here and there, and I've talked about before how parking now is becoming um the issue in my business. Um, and uh, this ties into what I talked about with real estate prices being so absolutely loony uh, that these and the density here in these neighborhoods um, and the amount of people uh, moving to uh, the suburbs and the towns and stuff. I think in the, in the uh, city that I live in, which is a suburb of Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, it is estimated that 1,000 uh, new residents move to this city every single month. Now, that's a lot of people uh, each and every month coming to a place that is already uh, pretty packed. And as such, housing uh, is becoming an issue uh, on a daily basis in Facebook groups and things like that for the uh, neighborhoods and areas I live in. There's always people looking for uh, suites to rent or houses for sale. Um, you know, I've had... Um, uh, just last week, a flyer at my front door asking if we would sell our house. Um, you know, just that sort of, uh, supply and demand for housing is just crazy. Uh, so what's happening is in this sort of rural, um, you know, uh, suburb where there's, uh, you know, still a lot of farming around and some, uh, still leftover larger properties from back in the day when properties were massive and it was all farms and stuff. There's still a few sporadically laid out throughout uh, subdivisions and stuff um, that were maybe the original home in that area. And then these new subdivisions were uh, built around. Uh, but as these homes with larger properties get sold, they are torn down and 
multiple houses being put up in their uh, place instead. And whole uh, communities popping up. There's a, a farm, uh, a very uh, famous farm in the area that uh, has been around for a long, long time. Uh, and uh, the farm was recently sold. And it's sort of a historic farm that's been there for years and years and years. And a whole uh, complex has been put up in its place. Um, and the uh, whole community or complex is named after uh the family name of the farmers that uh, lived on that property and they preserved the old um, barn uh, and turned it into, I guess, like a rec center for that community uh, and that sort of thing. Um, but you have these really dense communities building up. And in most cases, uh, if you guys have noticed in my Instagram stuff, some of the pictures I've showed, I call a lot of these uh, communities in these houses, uh, postage stamps houses because the properties are so tiny. And, and in a lot of cases, the, they'll have a, a separate garage in the back. And above that garage will be a living space, uh, like a miniature apartment that they call a coach home. And, um, you know, the homeowners can then rent that out. Uh, and it's just trying to, uh, densify these neighborhoods to, uh, provide enough living space for all these people coming in. The problem, though, is that a lot of these houses also have uh, garages in the front. They'll have uh, driveways in the front, which then take up some of that available parking space on the street because you obviously can't be blocking, um, you know, a neighbor's driveway if you're cutting uh, somebody's lawn. Uh, and for the most part, even with, uh, say, the driveway opening available, it's not enough space for me to pull up in a you know, crew cab, diesel truck pulling a trailer. Uh, and with these, you know, homeowners parking on the street, and then you have the, their tenants or renters either in the basement suites or in these coach homes, all, uh, trying to and jockeying for these parking stalls, uh, that may be available. It can sometimes be next to impossible for me to, uh, you know, come in and mow a lawn. And in a lot of cases, you know, these are very tiny properties. They take me, uh, you know, five, ten minutes maybe to mow. Uh, I'm charging a minimal price for them, um, usually around $30 just to show up, uh, you know, to unload and all that. And they could be very, very profitable if the parking was there. But without the parking uh, being available, I'm finding myself having to, you know, go to a house and there's no parking. Then I have to leave um, or park a block, block and a half away and carry my equipment, which I'm not going to do. Um, so I end up leaving and I'll go to the next house, which is a bit further away, and I'll mow that one. And then sometimes I'll come back and check that. And sometimes there's parking, but Lots of times there isn't. So I end up going to the next house in line, which is even farther than the last house I did. And you can see, sort of see the pattern where I'm driving farther out and then having to backtrack all the way back to check for parking and then driving all the way out again and then trying to backtrack even farther back to check for parking. And by the time, you know, you do have parking, it ends up being like not even worth, like you're not making any money on the job because you've spent so much time going back and forth and checking for parking and all that, that it becomes so frustrating. But in a lot of these cases, that driveway was open and it's just 
not enough space. Like you could literally fit a single car on the driveway as far as the length goes. So it's not something that I can just pull into the driveway with my truck and trailer because not only would my truck and trailer be blocking, in a lot of cases, there's a sidewalk um, and uh, maybe a small boulevard and my truck and trailer would still be, uh, you know, sticking out into the street, but they'd also be blocking the sidewalk. And because the parking situation has become uh, so crazy in some of these neighborhoods, there's also the city uh, like parking authority driving around and they will slap a ticket on your car so fast that again, it doesn't make it worth it. If you're going to mow a lawn for $30 and then, uh, you know, go to the backyard for two minutes to cut the back lawn and come back and there's a $40 parking ticket on your car. It really defeats the purpose of, uh, you know, trying to be in business. But I kept thinking, well, you know what, if I didn't have the trailer, I could pull into these driveways and, I would have just the perfect amount of room to pull in, unload my equipment out of the back of the truck and just work from the back of my pickup truck and mow these lawns and be in and out. And I wouldn't ever have to worry about the parking because there's usually always a spot available. Um, and like I said, you know how I, I mentioned, you know, either parking down the street or something like that. That's only because that would be where there'd be enough space for the truck and the trailer combined, but there usually is enough space for just a single vehicle here or there closer by. And it's always the trailer. That's my limiting factor. So as you guys have seen, uh, if you do follow me on Instagram, I put that, uh, a picture of my truck and I got some, uh, old two by sixes that I'm using on the back bumper as ramps, uh, to pull my Honda mower in and out of. And I remembered this because of when my trailer got stolen. And I had no choice. My trailer was stolen. The, uh, I got the trailer back, but the uh, trailer was completely, uh, you know, destroyed and had to be partially rebuilt. Um, and I was out, uh, without that trailer for a month, uh, by the time it got repaired and I had to start mowing again. Um, you know, within a day or two, I think it was a weekend, a Saturday when the trailer got stolen, but by that Monday I had to start mowing again. Um, so I had no choice but to work out of the back of my truck. So I started to think about that going, what if I just work out of the back of my truck? So I decided to explore that option again. I had done it before during that uh, time and uh, decided this week to give it a go for summer. I figured for summer here, let me take advantage. You know, I go, uh, uh, camping, you know, with my family and stuff. And a lot of times in the summer, I'm having to disconnect my trailer because I'll take my truck to go camping so I can carry supplies and stuff in the back and also uh, be able to easily load kayaks or, uh, or aluminum fishing boat or something like that, uh, uh, on top of the truck. So I will leave the trailer behind anyways. And it's constantly, uh, connecting and disconnecting, connecting and disconnecting. So I figured, you know what? What if I disconnect the trailer for the summer and I can put that back into storage? And, uh, cause I'm only using, I don't have a ride on at the moment ever since, uh, the one got stolen. I've been doing all of my lawns with the Honda push mower, a trimmer and a blower. And I figured, you know what, if I'm doing that anyways, let me just for the summer, sort of like a, like the three piece equipment challenge that I put myself under. Well, let me take that an extra step, a three piece equipment challenge, plus just a pickup truck and no trailer. Um, and I always have the trailer there if I want to do a bark mulch job or something like that, but I'm going to see you know, what it's like to work out of the truck. If it is truly more efficient uh, for me in my business. And that's what I mean about being flexible. Yes. I have a custom built 
trailer. Uh, it's got a dump, a hydraulic dump on it. It's got, you know, custom side door that folds down uh, into a ramp that everything fits nicely. It's, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, all your tools and equipment are completely secure inside, of course, unless somebody's stealing the trailer and, um, you know, beating the uh, uh, trailer, ripping it apart with power tools and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, driving house to house and stuff, it's not like somebody can just come up and open the doors and steal your equipment that's inside because it's all solid steel doors and all that stuff. And it does require, you know, it would require a lot of uh, uh, labor to open up uh, with a lot of tools and things to hack and pry it open. I guess my point would be that with the fancy trailer being custom made and all the decals and logos and all that stuff on it, it would be easy to say that, you know, I don't want to give that up uh, and risk, you know, uh, losing clients or turning down work because of these new neighborhoods getting denser and denser and not being able to find that uh, parking. Um, so by staying flexible and not being set in your ways and not worrying what other people potentially might think, um, and just doing your own thing and what works best for you is what is ultimately most important. When I think back to, uh, you know, my lawn care business journey and just the range of ride on type mowers that I've tried, uh, from starting out with, a. Uh, John Deere tractor and then going to a Gravely zero turn and then to the Walker mower and then ultimately going back from the Walker mower all the way back to a John Deere tractor and finding that that was actually what was most efficient for me for my business because of the uh, type of terrain uh, that uh, having the lightest weight uh, machine was what was ultimately the most important thing for me regardless of uh, you know, what other businesses might be looking at and going, well, you're just using a, a tractor. You don't have a zero turn. You don't have, and they wouldn't know that I've gone through that. I've used the, the Walker for four years. I used the gravely before that. Uh, and you know, just using what was best for me, being flexible and adapting to what works best for your business is ultimately what is most important and not being uh, stuck in your ways of thinking it has to be done this way. Uh, and just experimenting and seeing, you know, is it better to uh, run my business out of a pickup truck instead of out of, um, you know, uh, the truck and trailer? I've thought about other things like uh, maybe I should get rid of the truck and buy uh, like a cargo van and do that. Maybe that's the way to go. But the pickup truck is because I already own it. It's the first step. It's also what most likely uh, what a lot of guys starting out would use. So it sort of is an extension of that three piece equipment challenge of seeing what uh, people come up and face uh, when they're starting out uh, doing the business in this sort of way. So it's also a learning experience for me to uh, be able to uh, figure out those types of things. I will tell you one thing. The first day or two that I was using the truck, everything was going great and uh, parking was not an issue, uh, which was fantastic. I was able to find parking everywhere I went. But ironically, I pulled into one area uh, and uh, 
the phone rang. So I uh, started to talk to a customer about uh, a job and a quote that they wanted. And in the time that I was sitting there on the phone, because parking is of such valuable space, when I had originally pulled in, I left a bit of space behind me to be able to open the tailgate and put the ramps down. And in the time that I was on the phone, I didn't even notice that somebody had pulled beside me and parallel parked right behind me, like squeezed right in that little space. So I get off the phone and open the truck and get out and there's a car right up behind the truck so i was like well i just started laughing because i was like you know it's kind of funny because now i can't even open the tailgate and, and get the ramps out but what did i learn well i learned that i should when i park in an area like that where there's lots of issues for parking that i should get out first as soon as i've got that spot sort of uh set and put out some cones so that uh, I can block off the area behind me like I would do uh, the, you know, no different than when I was using the trailer and would have the walker or the ride on behind me and the ramps would go down. I would ultimately block off an area behind the ramps so that, uh, you know, a car wouldn't park behind me while I was mowing. And then I wouldn't be able to drive up the ramps uh, with the, uh, um, you know, with the, the ride on, uh, having sort of that space in front of the ramps to be able to pull the machine in and, uh, then go up the ramps. So I learned, uh, quickly that uh, I need to do that with the truck too, to carry some cones with me and block off that area behind so that, uh, you know, I have that room to pull the ramps out and have that sort of reserved space behind me. Uh, so yeah, just, uh, you know, I thought I would throw it out there for you guys to sort of show you some examples of, um, you know, being flexible and changing in your business and not worrying about what other people think. Um, you know, it's not, uh, to say that you failed if you've, you know, invested all this money in a trailer and that sort of thing. And now you're going to try to use a truck. You're just looking for the most efficient way and things change all the time in your business where like me, you know, then it's nothing different that I'm doing. It's the neighborhoods around me that are changing and the people moving into these new neighborhoods where it's just not, um, working out as much. I know in the spring, I got a couple of calls to go do quotes for weekly lawn maintenance. And they were in areas where there was, uh, for example, a house called and they had, they were parked on a, or their house was on a busy street and they were in the middle of the block. And there was only a single lane of traffic uh, being able to go on either road or either side of the road. There was a meridian in the middle of the road. Uh, so absolutely nowhere to park on the actual front street. On the, the street halfway down the block where you could turn down, there was also no parking signs anywhere. They did have an alley, but the alley was one way only and had a dead end. So if I were to pull in uh, to the alley, I would be blocking off the entire alley because uh, their house was right in the middle of the block and I wouldn't be able to turn around or anything. I would have to then uh, back out the truck and trailer all the way down uh, the alley halfway down the block. Ultimately, I ended up turning down the job because there was just nowhere to be able to uh, park the truck and trailer. But in that alley, they did have a small driveway where if I had a truck, uh, or just the truck, I would have been able to have pulled into that driveway and unloaded my equipment and did the front yard and backyard from there. Um, but ultimately I had to turn down that business because of the truck and trailer started to become a liability in uh, being able to provide that service. 
So just an example there uh, to show you guys that you have to constantly be aware and constantly be able to adjust and be flexible as things come up and things change in your business and you have to be able to adapt. So I think that's it for this week. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.